welcome to the next episode of the Boomtown Affair podcast series. In this episode, we will explore the subject of self-care and well-being through the lens of respect yourself. To help us shine a light on this subject, we've invited Bristol powerhouse promoter, DJ and producer, Grove. Welcome. Hello, hello. Thanks so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to have you here. And I haven't actually introduced myself. I thought by now you might know who I am, but just in case you don't, my name is Angel Mel. Now, Grove, we've got a bit of a mission, haven't we? We've got a bit of a mission. <laughs> We're unpacking, unpacking some tins. Yes, yes, yes. We're going to impart some knowledge um, and hopefully have something that people will resonate with. So before we start, if I can just ask you to introduce yourself and tell me just a little bit about the work that you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my name is Grove. Um, I'm a predominantly a producer and vocalist um, through like either rapping or singing, um, and do the odd bit of DJing and promoting. Uh, I moved to Bristol about three years ago, and it's been just like a crazy journey since then. I moved here from Cheltenham, and in Cheltenham I was like burrowing away, like chipping away at all of uh, at the whole music thing. But there's not much of a uh, community there mm. um, for like weirder electronic music. So since moving to Bristol, it's been a beautiful, just a beautiful overall experience. The thing is about Bristol, it's like if you've got a good idea, if you come to Bristol, if you're in Bristol, you can make it happen because you can find people as weird as you or as unique as you. You know, you can find somewhere to really kind of manifest the sort of stuff that you want in your life so I'm so pleased that you've managed to find that in Bristol and I'm not surprised I'm not surprised at all so we're going to launch into this you know and the first thing I'm going to question I guess it would be good for us to explore is what does self-care and well-being mean to you I think ultimately it's about prioritizing the things that are right for you. And that looks different for every single person. There's not like a one size fits all, like this is what self-care is. But in general, it's about, um, yeah, just prioritizing where your energy is going and making sure that's not all in uh, fleeting, just dopamine rushes mm. that you get from, um, from, you know, your social medias, from all kinds of fleeting pleasures. It's, it's really establishing like a ground foundational understanding who you are, what you enjoy um, uh, and how that's going to sustain you in life. It's a bit of a journey, isn't it? When you think of self-care and well-being and I think it changes, you know, over from when you're younger to as you get older, it changes as your life changes. And it's been interesting in terms of if we use the recent pandemic in terms of, I think it feels like we have all had to reevaluate our lives. Mm -hmm. If you will use the space in the right way, it's like, right, okay. <laughs> what can I do differently? What's working for me? What serves me? And what do I need to let go? Absolutely. And that's the only way. You've, sometimes we just got to go through it in order to, to, to know that. And in terms of sort of following on from what you just said, so what ways do you look after your physical health and your mental health? So if we take physical health first, is that something that you're, you wanna, you're keen to look after or you just kind of go with the flow of it? Um, it fluctuates. When I'm, when I'm taking care of myself the best, 
I am just regularly moving. I think I'm a person who like, um, uh, if I'm like still for a long amount of time, it means I get like really jittery and like, mm. I need to, I don't you know, I, I just start annoying people energy. around me. <laughs> I just start annoying people around me if I haven't like physically exerted myself. Um, that could, you know, that's, that's either going gym or going for a walk or just anything, just like getting out of the house, getting some sunshine in. Um, I think that's part of my physical health as well, like vitamin D. As I'm sure loads of people have been realising and speaking about, I think, over the past little while, like, I need my vitamin D, otherwise I'm, like, like a, so tired all the time, mm. so fatigued. Um, and also, I've got the tendency of, like, not eating very well at all, but my partner is an incredible chef um, and, is, like, cooks a whole vegan diet and everything, so, like, um, I'm, I'm learning that through eating like that regularly that I'm, it also gives me a lot of energy to then go out and do what I want to do instead of, um, I don't know, just being very constantly tired. But I also don't beat myself up if, if I don't go for the run or if I don't uh, eat the right things. So it's, I think that's part of self-care as well. Like not, if that's not possible for you right now, that's understandable. You're doing your best at any given moment and you've got to, you've got to be very forgiving to yourself. Absolutely, and I think that's the one thing we were talking about that um, before we started this podcast that human beings are not very good at. I don't know, being kind to themselves in that way. We do beat ourselves uh, beat ourselves up over the smallest things, and we're really quite good at kind of cracking the whip. It's like, whoa, now let's have a little bit more TLC. Let's have a little bit more kindness. And it sounds really interesting. So, are you saying that in terms of your like physical health, is that changed over the years in terms of how you look after yourself with the help of your partner, cooking your good meals? Yeah, it definitely has changed. Um, just I'm just more aware of everything. I think it's like before I was just kind of like, okay, I'll just eat to sustain myself. But but just taking those moments to be like, oh, actually, I'm aware of what I'm putting in my body I'm you know there's like a method and a process to it um, that feels enriching I think that's a big part of of well-being as well just like taking that step outside of yourself looking down at yourself and and evaluating. It's like having a superpower yeah, yeah. if you have the ability to gain perspective mm. because there's so much I feel like of what's been going on recently it's been very traumatic for a lot of people the last two years and there's a lot of unknown and you know mental health and um, has gone through the roof with it you know we were all it, as, the way I describe it is almost like everything that's happened is so close up that you can't see it and in order to see it you have to take this big step back to get a kind of um, a complete perspective of like what's going on you know you're like oh I get it now right I see so I mean I can identify with being at a point in your career where you're just running around and you're just putting food in your body it might not necessarily be the right food I'm addicted to vegan sausage rolls right now it's really they're bad they're good they're good <laughs> they're good though <laughs> And at two at a time, I'm on first name basis with the people. <laughs> <laughs> double parked, double parked with the sausage rolls. So it's that reminder to um, make sure, you know, what we're putting in our bodies is, is good, you know. But also how we're spending our time and who we're spending it with. It's kind of, you know, it all sort of ties in together. That's a big one. Mm. That's a big one because that's your social energy, that's your... I don't know, I, I think I've realised 
through the pandemic that I spent a lot of social energy on things that aren't necessarily enriching and people who are, um, got kind of like a vampiric energy mm. where like you're around them and that, you know, it's take, 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 take. And I'm also seeing that in myself as well. So it's not like, oh, you know, I'm perfect and I'm, uh, and everyone's taking my energy. It's like, I'm like, oh, in what situations am I like taking and not, not sharing that energy back, so. That's a really interesting observation as well in terms of the people that have ar you have around you and that you've been able to observe that. Is that, do you think that's important in terms of connection with well-being as well? Like the who you have around you, what, what they bring? Definitely, definitely. So how did you negotiate that once you had that, the little light bulb? Oh, perhaps, mm, not sure about this friendship. Yeah, it's yeah. It's kind of tricky, isn't it? You, you're just like, oh, am I supposed to go away? Yeah, I think there with some people if it, if if i was like close enough to them it felt like i could bring that up in conversation it's uncomfortable conversation mm, but it's only mm. through uncomfortable things that anyone can grow really um but then with some people if i was like i'm actually not sure whether i want to sustain this mm. i would just slowly slowly just ease out of it um as is as is natural i think with yeah. with with people i think it's such an important point because Sometimes we have an obligation to stay connected to people that really aren't very good for us, either out of loyalty, either out of like peer pressure or whatever. Mm. So to be able to stand up and go, you know, maybe we've done our time. Yeah. <laughs> Just going to move in different directions. You know, that's really important. And in terms of how you look after your mental health. So in terms of if you're touring, you're gigging, like working, we know that in the entertainment industry, music industry, it is full on. What has been your experience with managing, balancing work and kind of mental health? Mm. Um, this is something I still haven't fully figured out mm. at all, because I think my default, in order to distract from like any uh, mental pressures, is to distract myself from them. So that's just kind of like channels that energy, nervous energy into something else, and then I forget about it. And then another situation will come along and then it's doubled and it's intensified. So um, a main thing I've, I think that I've learned within entertainment is um, once, you're, once I'm kind of like at a venue, at a space, it's just finding like a base, a chill spot where I can just be lie down, sleep, not necessarily talk to anyone and just just rest. Um, and also acknowledging the fact that despite being a performer and perhaps having like a, uh, at times like larger than life persona on stage, that I don't need to like uh, be anything else other than myself when I'm both on and off stage. Like I don't have to perform, socialise and perform this, this, this. It's just like, you can just be be Beth and just be quiet and shy because like I was a well shy kid so so <laughs> all of this like talking stuff is kind of like learned in the first place so um uh I think just allow myself to to just be just mm. be blending with the furniture just you need the you need the ebb and flow of that you know mm -hmm. to be on all the time is exhausting and then adrenaline's going and going but at the same time being able just to be grounded I'm finding somewhere quiet. And again, post pandemic, I feel like my observation, and for me, I've, I've noticed 
I need that. I just, well, I always did. See, I was always overwhelmed by performances and stuff like that. And I'd always like, oh my God, <gasps> just <laughs> breathe, breathe, breathe. And, and off we go. Yeah. You know, so it's a really good way to have, it's like having like your little like safe space mm -hmm. as well. And in terms of um, spiritual health, now this is a new one I've put in. I'm just wondering because we're going to talk a bit more about your journey, but I'm wondering if that is something that you've been considering about your spiritual health, your connection with the, mm. the universe and things. Is, mm -hmm. is that something that you've been considering? Um, yes, I think definitely. I think I've been having some really enriching conversations with my family, with like very close friends about um, the interconnectedness of everything and like what that means and how to align myself as an individual within within all of that and really yeah just feel feel present and feel and feel like you said earlier feeling grounded within within the world um i think lots of breath work i've been doing like lots just lots and lots of um, breath work around um around integrating with that like kind of presence um and it's been really interesting having conversations with my aunties because they're like uh very spiritual like not religious and spiritual so they pr practice spirituality through um, their christianity but in like all these different forms and just having those conversations about how they connect with you know the divine and um the congregation like the community aspect of that i think has just been really beautiful to to listen to because in a time in, over the past few years when we've been so individualized mm. um reconnecting with the community is something that's i think it's been quite hard to do like i've definitely felt way more like even you know, post isolation been feeling very like way more individual and and less less mm. um likely to reach out but i started going to this um buddhist uh, beginners Buddhist group maybe about three months ago and it's like a it's like a eight-week course and I went to that and that was um yeah just a really great introduction to community meditation to like Buddhist principles and yeah I, I think just want to do more of that that sounds so cool and I think it's finding ways to reconnect after mm. feeling disconnected from ourselves being disconnected from each other being disconnected from the wider space of things and it's like well who am i <laughs> yeah what am i supposed to be doing because we've had very strong messages about you know disconnecting and moving away from and you know so now we're trying to rebuild what that looks like so i feel like it's like really good that you've been able to go and speak to members of your family who maybe have always had a, a, a practice or there might be a, a friend or something like that i'm just thinking it in more general terms mm -hmm. if there's someone in circle that has those sort of perspectives mm. that can kind of help people reintegrate because I feel like the human spirit is amazing but we do need a little bit of help come along come along and it's, I think as well having my partner as well um it's got a diff totally different perspective on spiritualism um through the lens of like quantum physics which wow. I've but yeah which I've still find it hard to wrap my head around it fully but I'm slowly slowly understanding little bits more and more of yeah just like spirituality within i think it's within non-duality um 
I, I'm not even going to try and begin to explain it, but, um, but it was interesting looking up. It's one of those things you think, oh, yeah, I really want to talk about it, but yeah, I know what you mean. Like, I, I don't know enough. <laughs> I just murder it. Yeah, you see what's going on. Like, yeah, mm, yeah maybe, I'll, maybe I'll wait a bit. And um, so in terms of talking about, so moving on, so we talk about um, mental health, physical health, sexual health. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to put it out there. You know, in terms of like, because it's important. All these things are important about how we look after ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder, you know, what your thoughts are on the subject and in your like sort of peer group with your friends or family, is it conversations that come up or is it still kind of, I'm finding in my peer group, we're only just starting to like um, take the lid off and unpick all these different things Mm -hmm. around, um, our sexual health and our sexuality. Mm. Within my family, it's still something we don't talk about. So it's mm. something like my mum will bring up as a joke and then, and then everyone will be like, Mum! Um, <laughs> but it's not necessarily about sexual health, she does make like sexual jokes. Mm. <laughs> We're just like... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but um, within my friendship group, in terms of sexuality, um, I think um, it's another thing over lockdown, people have been, really been looking inwards about their sexuality and about um, embracing their, you know, bisexuality or, um, you know, queerness as a whole. Um, and sexual health, I think a lot of my peers as well practice like open relationships and polyamory and that kind of thing. And obviously sexual health within operating within, those, within that um, dynamic is just like of paramount importance. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if someone catches like an STD and is sleeping with all of these people who are then interconnected with all these people, I think it's, uh, yeah, people, people uh, regularly, I think, ask whether people have been like checked over the past however long. And I think that's so good. That's so useful and good to... Just to have those narratives. Yeah. It's not anything that we should feel embarrassed about. Totally. I, you know, those were just opening up those conversations around, like, these. this is like breathing people, you know, if we're sexually active mm. or we're exploring our sexuality, the two are not necessarily connected, but it's being able to have those conversations and where people are not feeling too embarrassed because nine times out of ten, there'll be someone else who feels exactly like totally. the same way. And, I'm, you know, it's all about... Make just normalizing these things, mm-hmm. you know. You're not a freak, nah. <laughs> this, you know. In fact, if you are, then half the world is a freak, if not more. Totally, <laughs> totally, yeah. And and opening those conversations up around like sexuality, not only in terms of um, you know, gay, straight, lesbian, mm. um, but also about like various sexual express like uh, forms of sexual expression in the forms of like kinks, fetishes. Mm. I think. It's great for people to be having having those kind of conversations, and I think there's like quite a lot of um, sex positive club nights that are, that have been happening around Bristol as well. One called Crossbreed, one called No Strings. They've just been like really beautiful, beautiful spaces that counterintuitively are way more based around consent and respect than your average club night. Your average oh, yeah. club night, people, you know, come Sharking, up. Sharking, I call it. Picking pick off the weak ones. Literally, literally. <laughs> you know, not, not good. Yeah. You know, it's time for a change. That's really encouraging to hear. Mm. That's really encouraging to hear. And in terms of 
your journey so how do you identify yourself and what's that journey been like for you so far <clears throat> i think i would identify just under the umbrella of mm. queer um i quite like it not being this rigid one mm. thing um not a fan of of boxes and mm. you know nest you know descriptors within music as well just like being like oh yes I am this 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 and I make this thing this music it's like more of like a feeling more of like a within music it's more of like oh I kind of like dark electronic based cathartic music as opposed to like jungle this 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 um but yeah I, I would just say I'm, I'm queer yeah. <laughs> yeah and in terms of like your heritage as well where, where are your people from yeah so I am dual heritage, so half Jamaican, half Irish English. Oh snap! Well, oh half, snap! Half Jamaican, half what's it? Welsh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're all rainbows in one way or another. <laughs> well, I'm really interested because you released your debut EP this year, Queer and Black, and it's described as an exploration of identity both personal and political. So I'm wondering what the inspiration was. Like, how did you get to that point of making the EP? Honestly, it was just a year of just making tunes, uh, not with, an, with a concept, not with the concepts of like queer and black um, to work towards. But uh, yeah, I was just making tunes about like, I was in a shit situation with like my landlord being shit. And then I was like, oh, having conversations with everyone, it's like, oh, everyone's landlord shit. <laughs> like, like, <literally. laughs> um, and that, that tune ended up being Fuck Your Landlord. Um, then there was a tune called Sticky, where I had, uh, went to this night in London that was all for like queer, black, femme people. And coming from Cheltenham, I think there's, there was like two of us in the whole town. There's like two yeah. queer black femmes in the whole town. And we had like, we dated each other. <laughs> so I was I like, was okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, so this, yeah, so that was that done. So I went to um, London for this party and there was like thousands of people mm. in this warehouse rave, all queer black femmes. And they're walking in being like, like literally jaw dropped and proceeded to have like one of the most transformative nights um, in terms of feeling mm. a closeness of community. And then after coming back from that, the week after that, I wrote this tune called Sticky because I was like, ah, oh, I love like fast, aggy music, uh, but with like tinges of like dancehall bashment as well. But there's none of that for like queer people. No. Or not none, but there's limited amount for queer people. So I was like, oh, I'm going to make gonna make this. I'd love, I'd love to dance to something like this. Um, the track called Black, which I wrote after the, the Colston statue was pulled down. Um, and then a track called Your Boyfriend's Whack which is just like, <laughs> just, oh. just like a piss take to, towards white boyfriends. Um, <laughs> My head, I'm already thinking of a couple of people that applies to, I won't there name we any go. names. <laughs> there we go. Um, so, so just like, there's all kind of separate things. And I was like, ah, oh, this might actually work together as a collection of songs. Then the rest, the rest is history. Ah, I see. So it was sort of individual moments that kind of dovetail together. Exactly. And I can't help but think, like when you went to this, the venue in London, what that must have been like in terms of seeing so many people like, or finding like your people. Mm. 
because growing up, I mean, that's the area of where, I guess, exploring growing up somewhere, whether it's rural or somewhere where you feel like you're the only person. I grew up in Bath, in my school. There's probably like, well, about five black and brown people in my entire mm -hmm. school. Um, how you find your identity within that, you know? So can you sort of explore that? What I, I, I'm trying to put it into words. What that experience was like coming from Cheltenham go in there mm -hmm. you know what did it give you ultimately what did you come away leaving uh, what did you come away with that's what mm -hmm. I'm trying to say mm -hmm. if that makes sense yeah um I guess it, I'll probably start with just maybe we, we talk about the experience of of mm. being like dual heritage or, uh, yeah in a place where there's not many yeah there's not much variation I think that for me there was a sense of like mm, there is always the sense of like otherness in that you're not. Um, it would be like I was I was too brown for like the white kids and then too white for the brown kids. Like, cause I remember like meeting up with my family and my family are all you know. Um, uh, I don't think a lot of them aren't dual heritage. They're just pure like Jamaican or mm -hmm. um, uh, darker skinned, and. I think there was always like a bit of a disconnect there um, within the family and then within friends there was always that disconnect there so you're kind of like existing in this like limbo space and then people would as well would like make jokes in school just like that I would laugh along with at the time like they'd like so they'd turn the lights off to put a film on and someone would be like oh my gosh where's Beth gone you know oh, just like yeah. stupid stupid stuff like that and I'd like laugh along with it because I was like oh ha 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 mm. this is how we have fun yeah talking about my race and my skin color and mm. noting that as like a as, as a difference um but then i think it was like when i hit 18 and reflected on all of that i was already reflecting from 16 and being like hmm this is mm. like why are you calling me blackie yeah <laughs> like, even if it is affectionate it's like why are you calling me that it's like weird. It's yeah weird. i don't think people still call each other that yeah mm. yeah <laughs> it was from like bygone from like the 80s early 90s yeah still being being sad. So that's a real journey. Sorry, I interrupt you. Carry on. Oh, no, no. Um, so I think there's just that, that reflecting on that. It's like, oh, I think I don't really have a connection with or a real understanding of what being biracial means. Because I think um, with my mum as well, love her to death, but she she's Jamaican woman and she actively tried to assimilate within British culture, within like the whiteness of British culture. So never really taught us much about um, our Jamaican heritage. And all I kind of learned about Jamaican heritage is like what you're taught in school, which is the suffering, which is the pain, um, and not the joy, not the, not the boundless uh, amounts of intelligence and, and um, uh, growth and building that went on in, in, in uh, Africa as a continent. And I think reconnecting with that after I left school uh, was already like transformative reading and books. I was like, oh, this is painful to read, mm. but it's good to have that understanding. And then, you know, a couple of years later, then going to this, uh, to this rave and ex really expressing and experiencing that joy within, within blackness and within queerness, um, especially with where sometimes within like, uh, within blackness there is like a homophobic element to it mm. experiencing that all come together was just oh, 
it felt like a, there's like a sense of homeliness and, and you see it from your face yeah people can't see it but trust me Groves place just like lit up <laughs> <laughs> yeah that sense of I think it's really important and thank you for unpicking that because there will be there are many people out there that might not have the exact same situation you know but will have a feeling that either they don't belong or they don't fit in or there's some kind of difference and how you then go forward on your journey about being true to yourself because the other side of it you know is is a lot of misery and confusion and you know sort of denying who you are for the sake of other people to make other people happy and that's mm. you know that that's not going to work in in the long run but it is a is a journey so mm. It's really inspiring to hear you talk in that way, mm. that, that following that kind of instinct really that, mm, yeah, this don't feel so good, where it's led you mm -hmm. and it's still leading you. Yeah. yeah it's, not even, it's not even over yet. Like a big thing that I really would love to um, change or have, a com you know, have conversations about, wider conversations about, is changing like the school history curriculum. Oh, Because I think... Yeah. I think there's so much to be said for history, like so much to be said. Like history is always one of my favorite, favorite subjects, but it is also a way of like, um, it's like a form of propaganda, I think, for like young people. You're taught like, you know, these specific bits of, of, of British history. Oh, we were just trading spices in India. Oh, we were just, <laughs> mm. we were just trading sugar. And oh, that happened to be, you know, the slave mm. trade. Um, so you just you just end up learning about a lot of a lot of a lot of pain over time and some random kings. You're like, oh, why am I learning about this oh. 800 year old king? I don't care. I care about people. I care about the people. I don't care about the monarchs. No. Like, please, can we stop learning about the monarchy? Mm. I want to learn about people. I want to learn about, about the uprisings that happened in Haiti. I want to learn about mm. you know all these things that people have done. Yes, not some man in a stupid hat. I think that's really important again to. I think, and there's a definite movement with Lawrence Hu and Cargo and Definitely. going back in and um, writing sort of classroom resources. But it would be useful for anybody who is wanting to understand who they are and where they came from. Mm -hmm. But it's part of that self, um, I can't say the word, exploration. Mm -hmm. I said that really slow, exploration. <laughs> to understand that and, and our place in the world and, and how that fits in. But that is a journey. I can tell you when I was in my 20s, I wouldn't think about nothing like that. But I think people are more progressive mm. now. Like way, way, way more progressive. And are asking questions. It's not just okay to be told something and we accept it, we want to be able to unpick it, you know, for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And sort of leading on from that, we're talking about, I guess within these conversations, it is about respecting ourselves, it is about mental, physical, sexual and, and spiritual well-being. But the people around us that can really help, you know, on our journey. So I'm really curious about kind of your kind of family setup or your, your peer support? Who have you got around you? Who are your cheerleaders? Because, mm. uh, you know, and, and is that important to you to be kind of have that sort of support network around you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'd actually say that over the past maybe three or four years, I've had a bit more of a limited 
support network. I think um, I've acknowledged like a codependence that I tend to to get into when I get into relationships. So it's almost like I will spend all my time with that person. We'll kind of get everything we need from each other, but in reality, it's not the most healthy. Um, it's great, and it's and it's. Don't think it's ever been uh, explicitly toxic, but. Um, you know, I've, maybe I'm that kind of person who gets in a relationship and then suddenly you stop seeing them so often because yeah. I'm just like, I don't know, I, I also enjoy my own time. So it's like, um, you know, I have kind of like my partner, have my own time, see my family. And that's me, that's me fulfilled, really. But um, no, I've been really making a, an active effort to connect with my friends who I do care about dearly and, and love a lot. Um, but it's just been unlearning that codependent cycle because I think there's like a a core of like not sometimes not trusting people's intentions mm -hmm. and stuff like that but I've been unpicking that within myself learning to properly trust and having beautiful friendships as a result of that um, I'm not sure that answers the question no, but that's it just... you know it answers it in the way that you want to answer it's all good because it's about what we realise is, you know, what do what what do you, what do I need? What do you need mm. in order to make yourself feel fulfilled? Mm. And can one person be everything? Can they fulfil the whole brief? Sometimes ye yes, but maybe not to be able. It's not sustainable. Totally. And then, and then I find with different people, I behave in a different way, and I love how I am with different people. Yeah, because it brings out different parts of yes. my personality. But then that's just me. So everyone is different. You're just trying to find like, okay, so what? What? It's like making a cake. What ingredients work? Yes, going off. That's a good. That's a good metaphor. Yeah. Why is it be too big? It tastes too bitter. It tastes too sweet. Mm -hmm. And have there been, um, in terms of your, you describe yourself as queer, your heritage. Have you been in contact with any? organizations or anything like that and your on your journey did you reach out beyond your circle for any support or advice or is it something that you just kind of get on the internet and just learn as you went along yeah I, I haven't reached out to any external groups but I do know of um, one specific one in Bristol called off the record <clears throat> that has these amazing um, drop-in sessions for like queer people to just literally meet other queer people um, uh, but yeah me personally I think it's just been experiencing different friendship friendship groups who have been very um, open and vocal about their sexuality about their gender and that's reaffirmed that confidence in me to to be confident and and yeah just be confident about it I used to think like oh you know I want to be loud about it I want to be loud when I was younger but I was like for me, actually, I don't even need to be necessarily loud about it. I'm, it's great that people want to be that, but for me, I'm kind of—I think I've kind of settled into mm. myself and um, just enjoy experiencing. Yeah, just like being me. Are. Yeah, it's like a like again, it's a part of that whole journey, kind of you know where we're at and having peers, like whether it's family or friends, who are living it, who are passing it down. I had a brilliant conversation with my dad he's a very wise wise old owl it's like he's been imparting this stuff on me you mm. know 
just all sorts of different things. But I'm realising that by watching, whether it's my family or whether it's friends who have already going through stuff that I've similar to what I've been through, it does give you a confidence, doesn't it? It's being in a place to receive the information. I'm not. I don't like being told what to do <laughs> at all. <Yeah. laughs> we'll do the opposite. Yeah. This is just like innate. No, no, don't tell me what to do. But I feel like if it's a collaborative thing and they're showing by they're leading the way by living it and it's like, oh my goodness look at you doing what you're doing that's amazing oh I want to do I want to do that I feel mm. like I can do it because you're doing what you're doing mm. um is that's really inspiring I wanted to touch upon um bringing all this in mind if you've got any advice to give to a friend or if, um a friend or a person who is struggling with their identity and their sexuality, what advice would you give them mm. that's really helped you? Mm -hmm. I think, I think it's giving, giving yourself time, giving yourself space, um, connecting with people who, people don't necessarily have to understand it all, understand your journey but people who want to understand I think that is um yeah I think just be surrounding yourself with with people you can chat to about it people you can yeah just because because there's so much so much thinking mm. uh, that can go into like sussing out what your you know who you are I think sometimes just having someone to speak all of that out loud to and then be real with you you be real with them yeah 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 unparalleled really and there's more ways I think that that can happen um, uh, my daughter-in-law is trans and she found out she was trans through YouTube uh, um, she always knew yeah but there are ways in which you can go out and you can find and you don't have to feel like you're alone and having those conversations taking those first like tentative steps mm -hmm. like into exploring kind of who you are and what it means to be you and you can be explicitly you, you don't have to be anyone else. Yeah. But I do understand sometimes a simulation is a way that we get to that point. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I think online forums as well, as well as in person, have to be able to chat to anyone. Mm. I think there's so many things on spaces like Reddit, spaces like, I don't know, even, even things like TikTok. I don't use TikTok, but I know that it's great for communities to develop a mutual understanding and it's much easier now I'd like to think it's much easier and hopefully people don't feel even more alienated because we've got a global community as a as opposed to an actual like local community in those times the local communities can be a bit more difficult to access it's a confidence thing maybe I'm not sure mm, no I think that that is that is the case and it's trying to get that balance right there's going to be I think the uh, the big test of our times, actually. Mm. Um, yeah, we're yeah. St we're still living it. Yeah. And in terms of what you understand of self care and well being, how does it improve the understanding of yourself and other people? Mm. I think. Yeah, I think it, it improves my understanding almost. Uh, in an ever-expanding, ever-growing way. Um, I think the main thing is, like we were speaking about earlier, like the being 
forgiving to not only yourself, but also to other people, like, like harboring, like, uh, harboring all these like negative emotions around other people. I've, I've watched a, a few really good, um, um, like shows. Um, this person called Brene Brown, she's, she does these amazing talks on like vulnerability, talks on um, uh, like self-care and, and, and well-being and forgiveness, um, self-forgiveness. And she posed the question like, something that potentially could change your perspective on how you view other people is whether you ask yourself the question, do you think that they are doing their best right now? And the more that you um, unpick that and, and generally give people the benefit of the doubt that they are doing their best right now, I think it, it allows you to, to, yeah, just hold less tension and, and stress and negative emotion. Because we're, we're all just human beings, just mm. like, trying. Try. We're, we're trying, man. We're all trying. We're all trying. Yeah. And um, I don't know. That's been something that's been useful for me. Um, and it's a non-stop journey. Non-stop mm. journey in terms of self-understanding, in terms of world understanding. At the very beginning of it, and I f I'm feeling like it's it's a good direction to be taken. So, absolutely. And in terms of like how we see ourselves and then how we see other people. I've learned a lot more compassion, mm -hmm. a lot more compassion that, that question you said about Brene Brown is, um, what, what did you say? Remind me again, I'm gonna say, make sure I say it right. Yeah, she's like, do you believe people are doing their best at any given moment? Like, yeah. yeah. That is, is, is paramount. And just because someone is, I feel as rude to me in a shop, they might, it's not, it's not about me. Mm. What I've realised is, in my wide old age, <laughs> is that nine times out of ten, if people have got what I perceive to be a problem with me, mm -hmm. it's not a problem with me. Nah, not at all. I just, you know, we put ourselves centre stage in someone else's drama. It's all about me, 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 me. And it could be they've had a shit day, they've had, they've had real stuff happen to them and they're trying to process it and it's coming out sideways. Now, I'm not saying, it's just to be aware of that mm -hmm. and, and how we see ourselves, what we're feeling, what we're going through, and then how that reflects on somebody else and, and vice versa. So having that greater level of like understanding is, is really important. And if that is the best they're doing right now and they're shouting at you in the shop, then... Yeah. Pull Just, them, like... Yeah, so this is about you, it's got nothing to do with me. Yeah, literally, like... like about you. I, pity, I pity you. <laughs> if, yeah. you're, you're being, if you're being rude to me like this and this is your best, whoop. <laughs> You're having a good day, yeah. tomorrow might be better, it's okay, and yeah, then we'll yeah, just yeah. sort of back away. Now we're leaping about a bit because I want to go back to the music scene and back to nightlife, industry, festivals, events. Now, along that goes hand in hand, especially with sort of festivals, events, alcohol and drugs, they're there. There's no point me saying that they're not there because somebody, somewhere there's going to be somebody consuming something. So I'm just curious around your experiences around harm reduction, kind of how you see it in terms of like drugs and alcohol, like how you keep yourself safe in those spaces. So you still have a good time, but you're not so like totally burnt out that you can't do what you do. Mm -hmm. For me, it's almost, it's treating some nights out like, it's like a pick and mix bag. Like sometimes I'll go 
go to a night out and stay sober, stay out till like 5am, but mm. on, only drinking water. Right in the natural highs. Just so I could, I know that I can do that. Yeah. More yeah. times it's, it's like just dipping the toes in, just like mm. moderate, just doing little bits. But then sometimes, you know, mm. the vibe takes you and you <laughs> go in rags <laughs> and you pay the price. <laughs> and that's all okay. And, um, yeah. But yeah, I think pers my personal journey of it is, is realizing that like my anxiety levels are actually really tied up with how much alcohol I drink, how much, how many other mm. things that I have. Um, and I don't like feeling anxious at all. Actually, no. I hate, I hate feeling anxious. So it's just, um, when I'm in that zone of, of, of taking things, just being like, mm. do I want to feel that anxiety? Generally, more times it's no. So I'll just stick with a few cans. Yeah. And then do that and sleep well. Yeah, sleep, <laughs> which is just the sleep is the killer, isn't it? It's like, oh God. Especially if you're at a festival and you're up for days yeah. and there's normally like, like a five, six hour sleeping window, if you're lucky, each night. Yeah. <laughs> because of all the other stuff that's going on. And, and the sun comes out and you start to feel like oh, a boil in a bag chicken. And gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Yes. yes, yes, yes. There's been plenty of those times when you're like, all dry mouths and like, kind of hat like a husk. Like, oh my God. The alcohol's coming out your pores. You know, the, <laughs> the intense things you got. And then you say round two. <laughs> And that message out there for people to, you know, I've been to festivals and people have been absolutely, yeah, you just, I just look at them and think, I don't know if you're having a good time. Yeah. Is, is, is this, you know, this is annihilation. This, yeah. I don't know if this is a good time. And to be self-aware that this whole process, there's something amazing happen, happening. We are in this place with these people, with this music, there's an atmosphere, mm -hmm. there's, there's already an energy there. And so to be present enough that I can remember it, she says, <laughs> um, rather than being, but I guess that's a whole journey as well. Of you learn, you have to go through situations that you find yourself and think, shit, how did I do that? Mm -hmm. I don't remember anything about that. I regret saying this. Why did I do that? Yeah. And, you know, um, how we can negotiate having a really, really good time, but not compromising ourselves or other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I guess that that's that's the thing going forward. Like, it's not an easy thing. But when we get hit that stride, it's like, hey, totally. Yeah, I think I got the balance. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. <laughs> and the honesty, the, you say in total annihilation, like that's what some people aim for, total annihilation. Mm, like that, that is so true. That is so true. And I think it's people who, who I don't know, always aim for the annihilation stage. It's, it's catharsis for them. It's them letting a load of energy out that they couldn't do otherwise. And um, I know that's what I was doing for a long time. I was literally obliteration, annihilation, all of it, um, just to, to avoid. And I think what got me out of that cycle was finding just other avenues to get, to get that um, pent up energy out um, through different forms of, oh, wait, but the only form of expression I could actually do is, is making loud noises. <laughs> or just like, yeah, so that's how you channeled it, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, energy yeah. that you've got. You know, because it is, I'm a, I heard this really amazing piece of advice once that, that 
um, emotions are just energy emotions. It is moving around your body, moving around your body at any given time. And if it's not find a healthy way to release it, well, or just to release it, mm. it's going to come out sideways. Yeah. You know, it's going to come out screaming and shouting. But if we can channel that into something yeah. that isn't damaging the self or the other, then it's that's like a win-win mm-hmm. you know, situation. Mm-hmm. How does, so this ties in nicely. So how does working in the creative industry increase your well-being and self I think... Or does it? I'm just saying, I don't want to lead you. Oh, no, no. I think my experience of the creative industry has been always surrounded by well-intentioned, well-meaning people. And I think maybe that's a a comment on um, the location that we're in. In terms of Bristol, it feels like everyone's got good heart. There aren't many vultures. Um, From what I've experienced in, in, in in the music scene that I experienced in Bristol... Um, yeah, I think I've got a, like a lovely manager, lovely agent, or like every gig I go to, lovely people, or, uh, surrounded by um, good friends. Like at this point, like we've met a certain amount of times that everyone's just like very interconnected in this authentic, sharing this authentic love of where we are and what we're doing. Um, everyone's just like in love with bass. Yeah. So like, as soon as there's a sound system in the room, <laughs> everyone's like, oh, well, <laughs> my skin's wobbling. Yeah. I'm, fe- I'm feeling like extra loose, like the cells within my body are extra loose. I'm extra connected with the air. Gonna have a good dance. And we'll do it all over again. Um, but yeah, I think my experience has been, has been really lovely so far and everything's been independently released with good friends. Um, and I get just so grateful for, for where life has, has led, led me to right now in terms of being able to perform and, and, and money from that. Like, that's what I always wanted as a kid. I was just like, oh, I want to be able to make money off doing what, what I love. And that's kind of where I'm at. So I'm very content. That's essentially like buzz line. If yeah. you can make a career out of doing what you love, my daddy say, you'll never feel like you're working again. Yeah, because all the energy that you put into what you're doing is for you and the greater good. And so although we are mere mortals, but the energy just keeps coming. If, you, if, it, if it's coming to fill someone else's dream, it's like, oh, no, I don't want to do it. You know, but if it's yours and you're happy and it's, you know, it's, you're building something you're really passionate about, it's like, yay! Totally. And um, last question. What piece of valuable advice have you learned that has changed your life for the better? Hmm. That's a very, very good question. Yeah, take some time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's, it's kind of nicely looks back around to maybe how I answered one of the first questions in terms of um, distraction kind of being my main vice, really, like um, in terms of neglecting my own emotions just by like not looking at them. And I think really useful piece of advice is is has been that these like negative emotions that that uh, are there and present and stewing around um just kind of want to be looked at they, they want to be looked at and they want to be asked what they want um and more times you know this anger isn't like this this like angry like 
devil lurking about on your shoulder. It's actually like sadness kind of coming through in a different form and wanting to be looked at and, and, and um, yeah, wanting to be looked at and kind of calmed and, and reassured. Same with like this jealousy or same with this. It's like, it just wants to be looked at and understood. Um, so taking the time to understand those things is going to be infinitely beneficial rather than constantly putting yourself elsewhere. So I think um, it's a very, very new piece of, new piece of learning that, that I've, I've um, come across, but something that is, is infinitely valuable, I think. The revelation. Totally, totally. Keep coming, these downloads. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. And when you look at it as well, you can figure out where it's coming from and you're like, oh, yeah. that's what that is. Yeah. Now I want to go have these conversations with people in my life and I want to... Mm -hmm. um, so now I make this cake a good cake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. It's been such a pleasure. Oh, you too, Angel. It's Thank been, you yeah, so much. Lovely um, combos. Just before we completely sign off, where can people find out more about you, listen to your music, support mm -hmm. what you're doing? So on socials in general, I'm at they is Grove, and that's Grove spelled the G to the R to the O V E. Little fire when you speak, a little vibes energy. Um, yeah, I would love if you wanted to check things out. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.